Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. Welcome back to Laying the Points, the Road of His Podcast. I'm Anthony Miko. You can find me on Twitter at Amixta. And my co-host, as always, is Action Network writer Matt LaMarca. You can follow on Twitter at Matt LaMarca. Matt, been a while. How we doing? Yeah, doing good. We, uh, you know, we took a couple weeks off to get the head right, uh, but we're back in action. And uh, I think it's a good time. Obviously, a very busy a uh, week and a half or so of uh, NFL activity. So let's let's get to work, kid. You know, let's start breaking it down. Yeah, I mean, uh, we needed to recharge. You know, we had a lot of stuff going on. You're obviously insanely busy with the basketball stuff. A lot of hoops. Yeah, I've been. I was working on a couple of personal things. So we're uh, we're ready to go, though. We're back. We're ready to talk this. We'll probably do a little baseball maybe in the next couple of weeks, and then baseball starting. So. Uh, it's a good sports time. I mean, we're not, I, I can't say that I'm big into the college hoops anymore, but, uh, you know, that's starting up obviously. So good sports time. Uh, we're going to talk NFL player movement today. Like Matt said, free agency and trades. And, uh, you know, before we do that, I just want to remind you, you can still get that 30% discount through Rotoviz Pass through the podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. Uh, so, you know, tons of action has happened. We had, of course, the uh, legal tampering period in the NFL, which is <laughs> uh, just a complete joke, followed by actual free agency, which opened up yesterday, uh, Wednesday. So, uh, you know, all these moves now are official. Uh, we're going to just start by talking about some of the biggest moves, a bunch of the teams that made moves, uh, and then we'll just go through each conference and you know talk about who our biggest winners and losers are, some bets. That you can make stuff like that because there are still obviously a bunch of futures you can bet uh, for the Super Bowl and for AFC NFC uh, and a couple other fun things over at my bookie. So a uh, bunch of things to check out. And we're going to start with uh, what is, in my opinion, the biggest move and uh, the biggest team that has seen movement, and that's the Cleveland Browns. Uh, they just traded for Odell Beckham on Tuesday. Humongous move, obviously the the singular biggest move I would say of the whole off season. And uh, they also added Sheldon Richardson as a free agent. They made a couple other smaller moves, but you know, I'd say those are the two big things that they've done. Uh, Matt, what's kind of your takeaway here on the moves uh, from the Cleveland side? Yeah, don't forget uh, Olivier Vernon. Oh, I know true. he had Traded a for bit, him. Yeah. a bit of a, da- a down year last year, but he was still uh, number thirteen in terms of edge rushers uh, in ter- uh, from Pro Football Focus. So. That has a, a chance to be a nice little like buy low type of trade, although they didn't really buy low. I mean, they gave up uh, a good offensive lineman to get him. But yeah, I mean, Cleveland is making a splash. Uh, you know, you're a Giants fan. We have a lot More of Giants fan. fans, friends being New Yorkers. But uh, obviously bringing in Odell is going to be the biggest acquisition that any team can make in the offseason. You know, he's arguably the best wide receiver in football right now. 
certainly top three. Um, and just there's so much talent now in Cleveland on both sides of the ball that it's very easy to get excited about them. You know, Baker looked great as a rookie. You no longer have to worry about Hugh Jackson. Uh, the only thing that I'm a little bit concerned about is I think that the hype is really, really crazy right now, and it's only going to get crazier as we approach the regular season. You know, their win total is nine and a half right now. They have the third best odds of or worst odds of any AFC team to win the AFC, you know, behind only the Patriots and the Chiefs. So you're really paying a premium if you want to believe in Cleveland. I mean, there's a lot to like, but this is still a team that, you know, didn't make the playoffs last year and is really living on reputation more than results at this point. So um, obviously very exciting times in Cleveland. This is probably the best roster they've had since we've been alive, (laughs) but (laughs) you know, uh, I'm always wary of, you know, the hot team. Yeah. I mean, it's certainly a reasonable take. It's a measured take, uh, but I am excited. Uh, Longtime Cleveland Browns fan, Anthony Amico, very, uh, very excited for what they could do in 2019. I mean, the Odell thing is is really huge. I love Odell. I'm a huge Odell fan. I think he's excellent. But even if you're not an Odell fan, it's really hard to ignore like what he's worth to an offense. The Browns, I think, the only thing they were really missing on offense was like a signature receiver. They have a lot of really good players. I mean, Landry is a perfect number two. They have you know a couple other guys that they can kind of throw out there at receiver to do some of the deep stuff and run some of the secondary routes. Uh, you know, and Joku at tight end, and they still have a you know a full cast at, of running backs along with Baker. So I mean, offensively they're about as complete as you want. It's just a matter of you know what Kitchens can do now. I mean, I think in some in some respect, play calling and and running your offense is a little easier when you don't have the marquee player because you can kind of just you just run your stuff, you mix it up, and you don't have to worry about like getting the ball to the money. Like now we got to see how creative they can be getting the ball to Odell. You know, he needs his one, he needs his like 150 targets for this to work out. Uh, so I'm curious to see how that's going to go. Uh, but the defense, honestly, is the side of the ball that I am incredibly excited about. I mean, Richardson, I think we've seen enough at this point to know that when he's, when he's invested, he's one of the best guys at his position. Uh, <laughs> Nothing motivates a guy like giving him a big contract, Anthony. Yeah. So we'll see what happens there. Um, I think it's a move that they kind of had to make in this window with, you know, with Baker being on the rookie deal. So we'll see how that works out. But you said, you mentioned Vernon. I mean, Vernon and Miles Garrett is a really, really tough combo, I think, in terms of pass rushing. It's going to be really difficult for teams to stop. Uh, Vernon needs to stay healthy, obviously, but um, fantastic player, no question. I am kind of curious to see how they replace uh, you know, Zietler at guard. I mean, it's still kind of like a no-brainer trade for them because, like, edge rusher is so much more valuable than guard, I'd say, at least, like, in NFL circles. But, uh, yeah, I'm kind of curious to see how they patch up the O-line a little bit there. I mean, maybe they can do that through the draft. They still have a couple picks in rounds two and three, even though, obviously, they gave up their first in the Odell trade. Um, but they're a good team. And uh, I, I am definitely with you on, like, I don't want to pay top three in the AFC price, but... I'm going to find some ways to uh, to get some equity, I think, in Cleveland this year. I, th- I think, it, if nothing else, it's going to be a ton of fun. Yeah, I, I also, like, just, I want to talk about the Beckham trade. Like, 
a lot of people, the people that don't like the trade for the Browns are more along the lines that he's a head case, right? You know, like he's a diva. You can't win with these type of guys, blah, blah, blah. But just looking purely at what the Giants received from that trade, it's hard to say that they got a poor return. You know, you're never going to get fair value when you trade a superstar, regardless of sport, you know, regardless of position, like it just doesn't happen. But, you know, consider that Amari Cooper, who is similarly young, uh, you know, not, not as talented, but, you know, we both really like him as a player. The Raiders got one first round pick for him. The Browns, uh, the, the Steelers got a three and a five for Antonio Brown, who's been the best receiver in football for the past half decade. So the fact that the Giants got a one, a three, and then a, a guy who was a first round draft pick last year and clearly just uh, wasn't used properly in Cleveland. Like it's not a terrible return if you're really looking to rebuild. I don't know. I think it's pretty terrible because here, here's my, here's my thing. Like you just can't, you just can't replace Odell. And I know you're saying that like, you cannot replace you a Gary Bertia. Right. Like I, I know that you, I know that you're saying like you never get fair return on these trades, but like the fact, like, I don't think that they got much more than Amari. And I think that Odell, given like what they had done respectively at the time of the trades, like Odell has to be way more valuable than Amari Cooper was. So like the Jabril, like they so they they let Landon Collins walk just so that they can trade Odell Beckham for his replacement and two draft picks. You know what I mean? Like it's just I don't think that those moves are necessarily correlated. No, of course, but, but I'm just saying like you you want Jab- if you re-signed Collins, obviously you probably wouldn't trade for Peppers. Yeah, I mean they they were clearly done with Odell, right? right. Like they just right. want to move on. Um, love it or hate it, like that's the Giants' way. Stupid you know, way. it's the uh, you know no one is bigger than the team, blah blah blah. And as much as I hate to you know take this position, like the, the Giants have found success building teams that way. Of course, so, no, yeah. Like it's hard for me to completely knock the quote unquote Giants' way when the Giants' way has produced some pretty good results in the past. The biggest problem is they just need to upgrade a quarterback. I mean, that's that's really all that the NFL is now. It's can you get good production per dollar at the quarterback position? And it's fair to say that the Giants uh, are among the worst teams in the league in that department right now. Yeah, but like that's the thing, though. Like if they just weren't so stuck on Eli, they just, they just got rid of Eli. Mm-hmm. And they and they draft the quarterback at six, or they move up. Maybe I'm not really sure how it's going to shake out. They probably would have to move up. Then, like I think I feel like a rookie quarterback and and the exact roster they had before the Odell trade, with the cap space to add a couple other guys, would be a competitive roster, and would be a roster that like within a couple years could compete for a title in the rookie, you know, the rookie quarterback salary window. That's like what the the good teams have done, and the Giants just completely took that off the table because in my opinion, now if they get a quarterback, they don't have the pieces around the quarterback to be successful. They're right now still paying Eli 20 something million dollars. And, uh, you know, they drafted a running back second overall last year that they have to pay him $10 million. The supporting cast in New York is not awful. You know, like the jets had an awful supporting cast last year. 
the Giants still have legitimate NFL players on offense, you know, particularly Saquon, but, you know, Evan Ingram, Sterling Shepard, they, they may be overrated as players, but they're still capable NFL starters. So I get it. Listen, I get it. I, I would not have traded Odell. Uh, I personally think that, you know, he's worth whatever antics he does, what he can do on the field more than makes up for it. I'm just saying that if you were going to move on from Odell, I think that that's about as good a package as you could have expected. Okay. Um, let's move on so this doesn't become a giant show. <laughs> I've already lost enough years of my life to talk about what they did, the monstrosity that they are. Um, but the Raiders also, as you mentioned, traded for a big receiver. They traded for AB, a third and a fifth round pick. Decent value there. They signed the Marcus Joyner, uh, Jonathan Hankins. Tyrell the Gazelle, Trent Brown from the Patriots, offensive tackle. So, uh, you know, just a year ago, the Raiders were selling a wa- selling off their most valuable possessions, even as soon as a few months ago with, they, with uh, Amari. And now they're going out and they're, they're spending all the money, Matt. What do you make of that? Yeah, so I, I love the Brown move. Um, I get that he was unhappy in Pittsburgh and, you know, the way that that whole situation played out was ugly, but... Give me Antonio Brown every day of the week for a third and a fifth. Like you're not even guaranteed to find an NFL starter with those picks. So I love that move. The rest of what they have done, I think is pretty questionable. I mean, paying Trent Brown, literally the biggest contract in the history of offensive linemen after having one, you know, slightly above average season with the Patriots is just an awful move. Awful move. One of my least favorite moves of free agency uh, I also think Tyrell Williams is okay, but like they're paying him $11 million a year on average. Like right. that seems like an overpay to me as well for a guy that really is, you just want him to run straight, you know, <laughs> like they, I think they could have acquired somebody in the draft where they have a gajillion picks. Um, like when you think about Le'Veon Bell making equivalent money to that, I know they play different positions, but you can't tell me they wouldn't have been better just doing that. So uh, I think that, you know, uh, Oakland has done a nice job of acquiring assets. And then I think that they kind of squandered it with some of their free agent signings. So there's still a work in progress, obviously. We'll see what they start to do with some of these draft picks. But um, I'm not expecting much of a leap for Oakland, even with Antonio Brown. Yeah, I mean, for Oakland, it just all comes down to this draft. Like, I, if, they, if they whiff on this draft they're going to be in a really bad spot because obviously that's all the assets pretty much that they got in those couple trades. Uh, they'll still have a pick, you know, a couple picks coming next year for the Mac trade, but um, you know, they have, they have two additional firsts this year. So three firsts, including fourth overall, uh, you know, they have other picks obviously throughout the other round. So they're in a really good spot this year to, you know, load up on some talented rookies. And if they, if they hit, I, I think that they actually could be pretty good, assuming that Derek Carr doesn't actually suck. Like I, act, I actually think that we're maybe going a little too hard on Derek Carr. Like the narrative has kind of shifted the other way because I mean, there's no question that he's overpaid. Uh, there's no doubt in my mind that the Raiders overpaid him last year. But I mean, he got that contract because he was pretty good his first couple seasons. Like he wasn't. A yeah, trainer. and he quietly wasn't awful last year. Right. So like, he had he had that one really awful game, you know, week one against the Rams. But considering what he had to work with, 
not a terrible job by Carr last year. Right. And now he has Antonio Brown, who is, like you said, I mean, he is a signature receiver. He makes you better. They cut Jordy, which is honestly good because it'll let them move AB around the formation. I kind of like Tyrell. Uh, you know, I, the receiver market overall seemed pretty inflated this year. So like yeah. 11 million for him versus nine for like Cole Beasley or something or Adam Humphreys. I don't hate that. Um, especially since, you know, it's kind of hard to find those guys. They can still draft a guy. I mean, maybe they add a, a DK Metcalf or, a, you know, like one of those like top. That would top be a classic draft. old school Raiders pick. 100%. Do it for <laughs> Al, baby. All right. But like I, you know, they can still add to this receiving core. Uh, they're going to need some tight end help if they don't bring back Jared Cook. But you know, I, I don't think they're in a terrible spot offensively. Uh, you know, defensively, these guys have to pan out. I mean, Joyner wasn't brought back because he wasn't very good last year. So I do question that move a little bit. Uh, Hankins, I think, is a good player. So we'll kind of just see what happens. I, it's a little strange. I mean, the, I think, again, like I just think that the fact that it's Gruden and it's the Raiders, like I just think that the punchlines have kind of like overwritten the reality. And the reality is that the Raiders probably aren't that bad. So, I yeah, I, I agree with that. Like, we got to give them a chance to work their plan at least. Exactly. You know, if they bungle all these picks, then it's easy to just laugh at them. But 100%. you know, as much as Khalil Mack is a great player, Amari Cooper is a really good player. Like, they weren't winning with those guys. So it's you know, that's just a classic rebuild. Yeah, and we'll see. We'll see how it pans out for them. I mean, three first round picks in a pretty good draft class, like. You got to nail four, obviously, but like if you go three for three there, like we're talking about getting three impact players right away. Like that's a that's a good that's a good deal. Yep, and the draft is still the best way to acquire talent. Absolutely. Like basically, you have to overpay to land free agents, at least the premier free agents. Mm-hmm. But the draft is not like that. You know, if you have the pick, you get the guy. Best way to build a team, and that's what Oakland is trying. So. Um, I'm willing to to hold off on my Oakland takes until, you know, another year or two. All right. Now, this one I have takes and I, I have no reservation. Uh, Nick Foles to the Jags. Pretty big deal. Four years, 88 million. <laughs> pretty big, huh? <laughs> I didn't even do that on purpose. That's great. Um, <laughs> you're funny. Uh, I mean, I'm, I, I, I couldn't hate this move more. Like, I... I don't really get it. I mean, I get it because it's the Jags, but like, I don't get it from like a football standpoint. I mean, you're basically paying, you're basically paying this guy big money off of the career year in a really good system. Um, you know, I get that his former quarterback coach is the offensive coordinator in Jacksonville. So like, I am like at least intrigued from like a fantasy perspective. I'm like, okay, maybe, uh, maybe Keelan Cole, maybe he's back, you know, like I, I'm intrigued, but it's terrible. I mean, I, because, I, I mean, first of all, I'm on team Bortles, probably not as bad as, as we think. But I'm definitely on team yeah. Nick Foles <laughs> is, is bound to just hit the ground. Like, That's I just, a tough team to be on these days, Anthony. I know. I know. <laughs> but, like, I just I just don't think that – I don't think that this is what you want. I mean, and, and the Jags are another one of these teams that just, like, don't seem to be able to make up their minds on what they want to be. Like, they – they draft the running back four overall. They we're gonna play defense and run the football. Now it's we're gonna cut guys and not re-sign guys off the defense so that we can sign Nick Foles. But we still don't have any receivers. 
Oh, by the way, we traded a fifth round pick last year for a running back and we already <laughs> cut him. So like, what is, what is the plan? That's I, what is the plan, man? Like I, I, and I, you know, again, I, I don't think Jacksonville, they have players on defense, but we know that defenses erode much quicker than good offenses. I just, I don't see it, man. I don't get it. Yeah. I mean, the plan is clearly that they think that they have the supporting cast to contend, you know, given that they went to the AFC championship game or semifinals two years ago with Bortles and they still have a good defense. They still have Leonard Fournette. Like they're just thinking, Oh, if we plug in a better quarterback, we're just going to get back to that level. Um, and we're, we've seen that that's the worst thing that you can do is pay a mediocre quarterback, big money. Yep. And I don't even think that Nick Foles, like he's not a lock that he's mediocre. You know, I know totally. he's had some some moments with the Eagles, but, you know, he was a disaster before then. And, you know, I, I want no part of him at $22 million annually. Yeah, like I, the dude is 30. I don't <laughs> think he's had – I don't think he's ever played like a full season. He had like the one year with the Eagles. He played like 12 games and was amazing. And then he had obviously the years, like the last two years, and those were – you know, non-full seasons. So, like, what, like, what's the, what, what's the expectation here? <laughs> you know, like, uh, I'm pulling up his numbers right now because I don't even think his numbers were that good, that good the last couple of years. Like, yeah, like, very, very average. You know, uh, seven yards per attempt, seven point two yards per attempt last year. Like, that's, that's okay, but it's not like world beating. Two years ago, we won the Super Bowl. He only averaged a little over five yards per attempt. Like, I don't. Just show me, show me the, show me the information outside of the Super Bowl ring that tells me that Nick Foles can win you a Super Bowl. You know what I mean? Like that he's like the guy. Like, like he's the guy that. <laughs> That's will be my the Eli. Driver, that will be the driver. That's my classic Eli argument. You know, this guy can't win you a Super Bowl except that he's won two. Right. <laughs> you no, know, this so guy true, like. Though. Yeah. No, I I a hundred percent hear with what you're hear what you're saying and agree with what you're saying, even though it doesn't obviously. Obviously, it doesn't make sense since he's won a Super Bowl. Right. I mean, listen, but yeah, if the he can't win you back, a Super Bowl. <laughs> if the defense comes back and is amazing again, then sure. You know, like in those circumstances, we know that he can get the job done. I'm just saying that when you pay a guy $22 million, you're kind of asking him to do more. Agreed. All right, Matt, you're Jets. Oh, boy. I actually don't hate these moves, but I'm going to let you talk about it first. They got Lev, CJ Mosley, Henry Anderson. Jamison Crowder. It's a pretty nice group of four guys to bring in to your fighting Jets. They have Darnold. They're trying to spend now. What are your takes? Yeah, it's it's not a bad haul. Uh, I think you could make a case that they probably overpaid uh, all of those guys. Maybe not Le'Veon. I don't know. Like The market has come, come so far around on running backs that I almost think that paying him $12 million a year is actually pretty fair. So... Or ha- wait, how much was his deal? Four it's for fifty-two. Uh, yeah, thirty-five so that million would guaranteed. Be... He's like the second or third. I think he's behind DJ and Gurley still. All right. Yeah. I mean, that's the, I'm fine with that. Like, if they are in, committed to using him the right way, which is you know making him involved in the passing game and not f- trying to feed him the the ball on carries twenty-five times a game. Like, I think that that's actually a good off a good signing that's going to help Sam Darnold. Um, the rest I'm very lukewarm on. Uh, I do like Henry Anderson. He had moments last year with the Jets. 
Uh, I think it was he was a good guy to bring back. Uh, the Mosley contract, I pretty much hate. He's a very he's a good player, but he's not nearly as good as the money that he's being paid. I mean, he was the number twenty two ranked linebacker last year by Pro Football Focus. Uh, not a great coverage guy. Not really a pass rusher. He's just a guy that does a little bit of everything. And inside linebacker was like the one position that the Jets were actually okay at with Avery Williamson, who they paid pretty big money to last year. So I, I didn't get that. Um, it, it, this really just brings up a philosophical question. Like the Jets had a ton of cap space. Is it better to, to use it and overpay guys that are going to help your team be better? Um, or is it better to sort of sit on it like the Colts have done and try to, you know, acquire deals that you think are better for your team in the long run? Uh, I really don't know. Like, I- I'm all for the Jets spending money and trying to be competitive because I agree that you need to strike while Darnold is making, you know, minimal money. But at the same time, like, all of these guys are clearly overpaid and, I'm not sure how much better it actually makes them for next season. I mean, I am definitely on team use it or lose it. Like I, okay. I know, like I know uh, some of the cap stuff you can like roll over and, and all that. So I'm not saying like uh, you would actually physically lose the money, but like you lose the opportunity to acquire talent. If you wait a year, you never know what the next free agency class is going to look like. And uh, I mean, the big thing for me is just how a lot of these deals are structured. I haven't seen, you know, it's still kind of early in the process. So we don't know like exactly where a lot of the money is. Mm-hmm. Um, but like the nice thing about having a lot of cap room is you just like front load a bunch of these deals. Like if, if you pay like the, like even the Mosley contract, it's five for 85, big money, 51 million guaranteed. But if you're paying him like 20 this year and like, Oh yeah. If you're paying him like 20 this year, then you're, you get him, you know, the next few years when you're a little more cap, uh, constrained, you're getting him at a bargain. You know, like if you're paying Lev 15 million this year, you're not paying him as much in the other year. You know what I mean? Like I, well, I just, that one's scary because then he's just going to hold out again. Yeah. Maybe not. <laughs> yeah, maybe Lev, you dangle the carrot a little bit. Right. <laughs> but, uh, just like in general, though, I think like if you if you spend the money when you have it, like this is what the Niners did last year with Jimmy G, like you spend the you spend the money when you have it, and then you get like a little bit of a bargain the rest of the way. You guarantee the money, you know, but you, you you're going to pay it, but it's not going to be that much. And I just think like that's the future of NFL contracts is you you guarantee some of the money on the back end, but it's not as much as the money on the front end that you that you're just going to you know blow up. So I we'll see how that goes. Uh, but I, I like the moves from the standpoint of just acquiring talent. I mean, you mentioned, you know, inside linebacker is like the running back of defense. Like it's not, <laughs> it's not that important, but Mosley is at least very good at it, you know, and he can cover a little bit, you know, Lev again, he is, he is literally a running back. Like it's not that important, but if you're going to pay a guy to do it, pay, pay one of the two or three best guys and throw him the ball a lot. And, you know, it's not like the Jets are loaded at receiver. Like still, they have Robbie Anderson. They just signed uh, Jam Crow, my boy. They J-Mo. got was that? I said JMO. Yeah, they they still have Quincy, who's Love Quincy. probably injured right now. Um, <laughs> but like they definitely need to throw it to Lev a bunch. I also do really like Herndon. I think he's gonna have a nice year. Best tight end the Jets have ever had. One hundred percent. So like, 
if you're looking to build this thing, that it's not it's not a bad way to go. And I think that the Jets are gonna compete a little bit more this year. You know, they're probably not gonna contend for the division, but they could contend for a wild card spot. And then it's just a matter of what they do next year. I mean, you really just you want to maximize this window. And uh, the Jets, I think, are at least trying to do that. So I, the Jets, it, to me, at least have a plan. Okay, I like to hear that. Uh, the one thing that they obviously still really desperately need and they've needed for the better part of a decade is a pass rusher. Um, but hopefully they can address that with the number three pick in the draft. Definitely. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's definitely an optimistic time for the Jets, but, you know, it, it would have been nice to get Anthony Barr. He he would have. Yeah, that's that hurt. You know, he would have filled more of a need, I think, than than Mosley. Um, although I, I think they wanted to sign both anyway. But, uh, yeah, like this team still has holes. So we'll see uh, what they can do moving forward. All right, Ravens went went ahead and signed Mark Ingram and Earl Thomas. Uh, the latter of those moves, I would say, is probably bigger, but both pretty interesting, I think, considering where they are as a, as a football team. Matt, what do you think of this? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to doubt the Ravens because they've always seems to do a pretty good job in free agency, but you know, they they let a lot of talent walk out the door. They obviously lost Mosley. Uh, they lost to Darius Smith. They lost Eric Weddle. They lost Terrell Suggs. And they lost John Brown, who wasn't really a, a huge factor with um, Lamar under center, but had a really good first half of the season. Like, I think that that was a good signing, and we'll probably get to that with Buffalo. But, um, yeah, overall, like, probably the right decision to let the majority of those guys walk. You know, I, I think not matching the Mosley contract – not matching the Smith contract, probably fair to do, but it's still a lot of talent that is no longer on the roster. Yeah, 100% true. Um, I do think they at least upgraded the safety spot, which is, is I, I mean, I didn't think there was any way they were going to do that when they let Eric Weddle, when they cut him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Earl Thomas is like the definition of a Raven safety. I mean, he's literally going to be all over the field. So that's... That's a good move from them. Uh, the Ingram move in particular is, I mean, you know, anytime you kind of add a running back, you, you have to make sure you look at the contract and all that stuff. But, like, Ingram is probably exactly what you want, given the offense that they run now with Lamar. I mean, they were, like, 64% run with Jackson. Um, that running back spot is important because you need a guy to really be a downhill runner. Like, Ingram is for sure, like, the perfect guy for what they're going to do. Um, big fantasy target next year for 100%. sure. 100%. I, I mean, and again, like, I'm not really sure how hard that is to find. Like, I'm sure, like, Gus Edwards could have done the same thing. <laughs> but, like, Ingram is pretty good. And I think Ingram's probably going to have his first, like, 300 carry season. Uh, and we'll kind of see how that goes. I, the, the Ravens, again, like, they're declaring what they want to do. They want to play defense, they want to run the football on offense. If Jackson gets at all better at throwing, they're going to improve a lot. They have like 16 tight ends on the roster. So I'm sure there'll be a lot of jumbo. Um, yeah, that was one of the weirder re-signings. The Boyle thing, right? Like yeah. The money. The the backup, the tight end two and tight end three spendings. Because uh, I didn't put them on here, but the Croft signing for Buffalo. like Just like weird. Just weird money. Weird tight end money, man. Yeah. You know, I think maybe teams are buying into that you want to be able to, you know, go with disguised personnel, right? You want to have yeah. those two tight end sets. 
make the defense put their big packages on the field and then be able to throw into them. So maybe that's a sign that the NFL is getting a little smarter, but it doesn't feel like it should be that hard to find a guy like Nick Boyle. Right. Totally agree. <laughs> totally agree. Uh, the Niners made a bunch of moves. They added Tevin Coleman, Jason Verrett, Quan Alexander, and D Ford. Uh, this is a pretty impressive group to me. Uh, I'll actually go first here just because I, I, I want to talk about these guys. Like I, The Alexander move is the most questionable just because he's coming off a knee injury. Is it a knee or an Achilles? I can't remember. Whatever it is, I think it's extremely questionable. Right. It was pretty serious. <laughs> um, so he was really good before that injury. But, you know, anytime you give a guy that doesn't play like a premium position big money off an injury, that's very questionable. But if he comes back, he'll at least be pretty decent. The other three moves I think are good, though. D Ford is excellent. You know, outside of the whole going offside thing in the AFC Championship game, like he's phenomenal. He will get to the he will get to the quarterback. Uh, Jace, if Jason Verrett can stay healthy, which is a huge if because he's basically missed the last two seasons, he was one of the premier corners in football before that happened, and they needed that was a real position of need for them, especially the Sherman now another year older. Um, and I'm obviously a, a Tevin Coleman stand, so <laughs> I like that move. And uh, you can never have enough running backs if you're Kyle Shanahan. So that's apparently. That's uh, <laughs> although I, I think they'll probably cut McKinnon, but we'll we'll see what happens. I uh, you know Coleman is another fantasy guy, obviously. Yeah, uh, it's just are- funny that last year everyone was like, "Oh, make sure you get Tevin Coleman in your dynasty leagues, like he's going to be this year's version of Jarek McKinnon," and now he literally is this year's version of Jarek McKinnon. I know, so, so poetic. It's yeah, pretty poetic and. I agree. I hope you didn't invest too much in Jarek McKinnon last year. Yeah, I'm with that. Um, but yeah, getting D Ford, uh, obviously a huge addition to their defense. He was literally the highest rated pass rusher amongst edge players by Pro Football Focus last year. Um, so anytime you can add that guy to your defense, that's going to be pretty huge. Um, it'll be interesting to see how much of a product he was of playing next to Justin Houston. But Justin Houston's production has definitely declined a bit recently. So I I think that was a great get for the 49ers. The rest of it, I'm a little more lukewarm on. I definitely think Quan Alexander was like a pretty drastic overpay. Um, But the pieces are there, right? They just need Garoppolo to be healthy. Uh, They still are hurting a bit at the skill positions, you know, particularly wide receiver. But um, you know, Dante Pettis is fine, I suppose. You don't want him to be your number one receiver, but he's okay. Uh, they're going to be a team that I probably am going to be selling because I, I feel the hype machine already kind of heating up on them. But, um, yeah, you know, it's it's they're, they were in a very similar situation to the Jets where they are, you know, using their cap space. And it's, it's hard to knock a team for wanting to improve, right? You know, yeah. like... I appreciate them at least taking some chances. Yeah, and they weren't going to win last year anyway. Like, I kind of think the Jimmy G injury was like a blessing in disguise because the hype was high and they were just never going to meet those expectations. They were they were always a year away. So that, But then Jimmy got hurt and was like, okay, well, let's roll it to next year. But now I think they actually could meet those expectations because they've added a lot more talent. Uh, I do agree. Like, I, I really wanted – I was really hoping that they'd get their hands on A.B., or I guess Odell, 
given that Odell was traded. Um, those would have been big moves for them offensively, but I mean, the system has worked anyway. I mean, the friggin' system has worked with Nick Mullins. So, like, <laughs> I feel pretty good about what Jimmy G is going to do. They can still add receivers in the draft. I mean, the fact that they've now answered some of these questions on defense through free agency and trades, uh, you know, they can add a guy in the draft. They can draft a guy on day one and day two if they really want to. Uh, it's a pretty decent receiving class. I mean, I, maybe there's only one or two guys that have the upside to be like true number ones, but there's a lot of guys in this draft that are going to contribute to NFL offenses. So, you know, they get a couple of those guys. All of a sudden, we're we're in the money, I think, offensively. And obviously, they have American hero George Kittle. So <laughs> he is good. I love yeah, George Kittle. Very, very happy with with him. So, uh, I think the Niners are going to be for real this year. And uh, we'll kind of see if that comes to fruition. Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. Ready, set, save, California. It's sellathon time this Labor Day at your California Ford dealer. Get ready for the best offers of the summer on the 2019 Ford lineup, like an adventure ready Explorer or the all new built Ford Tough Ranger. Or get behind the wheel of the 2019 Ford. Ford F-150 with the power, toughness, and capability to carry any payload. You've waited all summer for these deals, and the wait is over. So ready, set, save. The Labor Day Salathon is on now. But don't wait. These deals won't last. Hurry into your California Ford dealer before it all ends September 3rd. All right, we'll hit these next few a little quicker because they're not as important. But uh, Golden Tate to the Giants, Matt, what do you make of that? Um, Not a huge fan. No plan. Uh. You know, like worst worst season of his career in terms of you know just raw measurable numbers, pro football grade or pro football focus grade, I should say. Uh, obviously, wasn't utilized properly in Philadelphia, so I think it's kind of easy to make a case that they're buying low on him, but they really didn't buy low on him. You know, they're paying him nine and a half million dollars a year, almost uh, twenty three million in guaranteed money, so. They're, they're expecting him to continue to produce at a pretty high level into his mid-30s, uh, mid which is just not something that I think is, is really realistic with him. Yep. Totally with you on that. I mean, are you rebuilding or are you not rebuilding? It sounds like they're not, but they say that they are. <laughs> uh, so we'll see. Um, Gettleman getting Gettleman. Uh, elsewhere in New York upstate in buffalo the bills making moves they're splashing the pot with john brown and cole beasley uh, i actually really like the john brown move i think that it very strongly uh complements what josh allen does like I, I just think like in general the bills are approaching the josh allen thing the right way they're just like you know what we don't know if he's any good either we're gonna throw the ball like 50 times a game down the fucking field. and <laughs> when we catch it it's gonna really really suck for you and, uh, you know, Robert Foster did it out of the bunch last year. Now they had John Brown. The Beasley thing I hate just because I just think, like, what he does is very replaceable. And they paid, yep. you know, a decent chunk of change. Uh, and Zay Jones, honestly, I thought was quietly pretty good last year. Mm-hmm. So I don't love that move. But I, I like – I just like their overall approach. Uh, I like McDermott as a coach. I, I think that the Bills – I think, again, the Bills are, like, a team that they're slowly getting there. They're kind of there. Like I like, I like at least their approach. Yeah, they spent the third most money this offseason behind uh, just the Jets and the Packers. Uh, 
agreed the Cole Beasley signing makes no sense to me. Like he runs all the routes that Josh Allen can't throw. Right. So he seems like it seems like that was a waste of twenty nine million dollars. Uh, but I like the John Brown move a lot. And they at least attempted to upgrade their offensive line, which should help. I, I, I like the Mitch Mitch Moore signing mm-hmm. um, quite a bit. That seemed like a fair price for him. So we'll see if Allen can take a step forward. Right. That's really all it's about with Buffalo. It's I know that's kind of a cop out. I keep just saying it's all about the quarterback, but. Not just you know, is. welcome to the NFL in 2019. You know, that, that's what it is. Yep. Unless Sean McVay is walking through that door. Uh, all right. Detroit, weird moves to me. I, this is like, I, what, what is it with the Belichick guys that leave <laughs> Belichick? They, they just do weird shit. Like, I, like, I just, I don't really get it. Like, they add Jesse James and Danny Amendola. Yeah. Like, so we cut Eric Ebron. <laughs> then we were like, oh, shit, our tight ends kind of suck. Let's bring in Jesse James, who's done almost nothing. Uh, and then let's bring in, like, an old as dirt slot guy because we traded Golden Tate. Which, I mean, that's not a terrible move, but, like, it's just weird. The Trey Who Flowers was- thing, they paid him a ton of money. Like, I just, I don't know. I don't really get it. Who was that one random tight end that Detroit used to have who was, like, Six foot seven and like literally only caught touchdown passes. Do you remember oh who I'm talking about? I know who you're talking about, but I can't remember his name. Anyway, I guess that's their plan for Jesse James. <laughs> um, don't get that signing at all. Uh, and Trey Flowers, like, yeah, nice player. I don't trust anyone that leaves New England. Nobody. I'm sorry. I don't. Um, it very rarely has a guy left New England on a big money deal and then produced at an elite level for his next team. It's just not how it works. Um, I guess if you want to sell yourself a story, you know, saying going from the Patriots to going to play for Matt Patricia, probably they're probably going to ask him to do very similar things than he did in New England. For sure. Um, But still like Trey Flowers was that guy who was always underrated. And uh, now you, you cannot make that case after you sign a five-year, $90 million deal. Yeah, I mean, who who is the last guy to leave the Patriots on a big money deal and be good? Like, off the top of my head, I can't think of anybody. Um, yeah, I mean, like, maybe did Richard Seymour have some quality years after the Pates, the Pats got rid of him? Yeah, yeah like, I think, I think like, him and Vince Wilfork were, like, still okay when they left, but it wasn't yeah. like, you were okay with it, though. Like, you were kind of like, yeah, yeah, that's fine. Like, I just, I don't know. All right, and the Skins signed, uh, you know, New York Giant cast out Landon Collins. Probably the worst signing of free agency. It has to be, right? Like, um, before, before that move, like, the, the thing was, oh, the safety market, no one's paying safeties. Like, you can get a bunch of these safeties. Like, Kevin Cole was saying, like, oh, like, instead of signing C.J. Mosley, like, just sign Landon Collins. They basically do the same stuff. And uh, then they ended up getting, like, the same money. Landon Collins ranked 39th. Among safeties in yeah. PFF grade last year. Not good. 39th at safety. Um, that's awful. Uh, I know he had a great year for the Giants a few seasons ago, but that defense really was able to cover up a lot of his weaknesses because he wasn't asked to cover anybody and he could just, you know, play the ball and, and play the run game. Um, I guess if that's all you're going to ask him to do, he can be fine, but. Uh, that's not what this NFL is leaning towards. Like your safeties and your linebackers need to cover dudes. 
and he is has not shown any ability to do that. Yep. Box safety doesn't seem like why why would you pay a small linebacker when the goal for your safety spot should be that he's a big corner? You know, like that's that's how I look at that position right now. Very fair. All right, let's talk winners and losers. Uh, in the AFC, Matt, who would you say the biggest winner of this period was, and why is it Cleveland? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's hard to say anybody other than Cleveland, right? I mean, they brought in the best player. Um, they shored up holes on both sides of the ball. It's really hard to make a case for anybody but them. Uh, I mean, if you're a huge fan of... Le'Veon Bell and C.J. Mosley, maybe you could talk yourself into the Jets, but uh, it's got to be the Browns. Yeah, I mean, the, that Jets argument like makes me think of like Andy's argument for himself to be like the next manager of Dunder Mifflin. <laughs> like, he's like, <laughs> am I the best salesman? No. <laughs> but perhaps you're looking for uh, not as good, if not unimpressionable, option like you know like uh yeah it's the cleveland uh who is your biggest loser this is i think interesting i think you can go a lot of different ways here yeah that's a good one um why don't you go first yeah i mean i it kind of depends i guess on your perspective like is it just who lost the most stuff or who is spending in the wrong direction i'm gonna go with spending in the wrong direction and so i'm going to go with the shaguars because i just I don't really get it, and I don't think that – I think the Nick Foles thing is like fake money. Like uh, they think that they're playing with house money. They're playing with no money. Like it's just – it's bad move, and uh, I don't think – I think that they have – their window's over. I think it's gone. Yeah, I, I think that that's a very strong choice. Uh, I like the call on Jacksonville as well. I will go Indianapolis because they entered the offseason just with – so much money and so many different options that they could explore. And literally like the only thing that they did is pay Devin Funches. Right. Like I like, again, like that's a team that should have like been beating the door down for Houston or D Ford. Like one of these guys just been like, listen, like we'll pay you, we'll pay you $20 million right now just to like be on our practice. You know what I mean? Like, right. Just play for us because we could win it all, you know, like, and they, and they really do, do they do have a ton of draft picks. You know, I think they have what, like five of the first ninety picks this year, something yeah, like a good that. Spot in the draft. So they they definitely can still improve their roster, but it just felt like this was a team that's ready to contend, who would have been a good candidate to overpay someone that can help them, but they just uh they're trying to be strict with their cap, and I get that, but at the same time, like you are certainly no closer to winning a championship than you were at this time last year. Totally, totally agree. Uh, and is there a bet that you like out of the AFC? Yeah, so we don't have a ton of stuff up right now. Uh, I'm going to go with the Chargers to win the AFC at plus 700. I feel like they're kind of the forgotten team in the AFC right now. I mean, you're getting them for the same odds as Cleveland, and they should be better just by virtue of having Joey Bosa for a full season, just by having Hunter Henry for a full season. Like, I think that even though they haven't made a ton of moves in free agency, uh, the Chargers were arguably the second best team in the AFC last year behind the Chiefs. 
So getting them at plus 700, the same odds as the Cleveland Browns to win the AFC feels a little light to me. Yeah, I definitely vibe with that. I'm going to stick with Cleveland just because my bookie has this bet. We were talking about this before the show, but, you know, will Cleveland make the playoffs? And it just, just seems outrageous to me given the, the other bets, but it's plus 150 to make the playoffs. And uh, I just feel like if they're the third ranked team in the AFC, then you're telling me that they are going to make the playoffs. So, like, <laughs> I'm, I'm probably going to take the plus money. I'm betting to make it. I mean, the division is not as good. The AFC is very competitive. I mean, the wild card spots, especially I think because of the the Chargers Chiefs thing, like one of those wild card spots is basically already gone. Um, but I still think that they have a, a pretty good chance to get in. They almost got in last year, and that was with like six games of hue. Yeah. So uh, I like that bet. All right. Before we talk NFC, so remind you guys uh, if we can get into the action on Daily Fantasy Sports over at Daily Roto, especially before baseball season starts. You can save 10% off your subscription to any Daily Roto package by using promo code AMICO. It's my last name, A-M-I-C-O. So do that and get 10% off. Uh, lots of good stuff over there at DR. So check it out. Uh, and now we have NFC biggest winner, Matt. The NFC, by the way, I did the NFC write-up for DK Playbook. The NFC was just like a wet blanket of nothingness. Like the AFC <laughs> had all the fun. Uh, so, but who is your biggest winner here? I'm going to go with Philadelphia. Is that a crazy uh, take? Uh, I, I don't think, think it's crazy, but, but tell me more. I think resisting the urge to bring back Nick Foles, um, you know, resisting the urge to re-sign Golden Tate after you traded for him, uh, they're going to get some compensatory picks for letting guys like Jordan Hicks and Malik are uh, for letting Jordan Hicks go. Sorry. Uh, They brought in Malik Jackson, who should be able to give you a little bit of what they're losing from Michael Bennett at a discount. I think that overall they did a good job with what they had. Um, And like you said, the NFC, like nobody really jumps out as having done a tremendous amount. Like the Packers spent the second most money in free agency but I don't think that they brought in like anybody that's going to make a huge difference for them next year. All on defense too. Like right. when's Rogers getting another receiver? I mean, I, I get it. Like you're going to, the, the philosophy is, is that you can win with Rogers plus anything as long as he's healthy and you just need your defense to make some stops. Um, but we have seen some decline from Aaron Rodgers as much as it pains me to say that. Yes. And like none of the guys that you brought in on defense are really that good of a player. So I'm definitely, they would, they would fit more into the loser category than winner category for me, despite the fact that they spent so much money. Yeah. I'm with that. I think, I think, I mean, I think Philly's a pretty sharp choice. The D thing. Yes, I, I forgot really, about that, but that's, that was a good addition for them. Yeah. It's going kind of overlooked to me. Like, I mean, they really, haven't they really missed him since he left and now they have him back you know and he's still doing the things in terms of like stretching the defense they have two really good other weapons with Jeffrey and Ertz like you just let those guys work now you know I think we're in business if Wentz can stay healthy so I'm with you on that Uh, I'm just gonna go chalk Niners uh mostly the D Ford thing but I, I really do think that the Verrett move could end up being very very good for them they're not paying him a lot of money 
They don't have any long-term commitment. So, like, if he's washed, he's just washed. But, like, the dude was, like, a legit top-five corner when he was healthy. And if Sherman's going to stay as good as he was last year, uh, this could be a really good defense. And, honestly, even if it's only, like, a slightly above-average defense, uh, with what we already know that Shanahan can do on offense, uh, they're going to be a good football team. So, I, I like them as winners. All right. I mean, you know who my loser is. So who's yours? Detroit Lions. They spent the fourth most money of any team this offseason. And they have, they're tied with the Arizona Cardinals for the worst odds to represent the NFC in the Super Bowl this year. Wow. So to me, that just screams uh, not using your money well. So they're, they're going to be my choice here. That's pretty impressive, Matt. I didn't think anyone was gonna. I didn't think you were gonna be able to make an argument for a team other than the Giants that I would that I would agree with. Uh, it's the Giants for me. Huge losers. They they lost Odell via trade. They've just completely lost their minds. Um, they've lost me as a fan. Like I just I, I think <laughs> that they're they've lost a lot of things, Matt. Like they just no plan. They have. And to me, like, no clue really what they're doing. Like, they are more invested in their run, in their 38 year old quarterback and their running back than they were in their like 26 year old stud wide receiver. Right. Historically, um, maybe the greatest receiver, uh, ever. Right. <laughs> the defense has gotten worse. And then they traded like their best defensive player for a guard, which that, I mean, I guess was at least a reasonable move because the offensive line is quite bad. But, uh, you know, just in terms of, like, position value, they probably took a loss there. Yeah. And then they go and sign Golden Tate, who's 30. I think he's going to be 31 before the season starts. Like, I just, like I said before, they're, they're telling you that they're rebuilding, but they're still trying to win. And I said this in our group chat before with John. Like, this is, they're, they're totally set up for everyone to think that they stink. I mean, John said their win total is four and a half. I haven't found that anywhere, but if that's true, it's like they're totally set up to exceed extraordinarily low expectations, and then everyone think that they're doing a good job. Yeah, like, I, I think it's going to be higher than four and a half. I agree. I haven't seen it anywhere. I mean, they're 30 to one to win the NFC, which is like not good, obviously, but there are still a, a solid group of teams with equivalent odds or worse. So I would be surprised if it's that. I think six is probably a more reasonable number, you know, right in line with teams like what the Jets and the Dolphins were last year. Um, it's going to be interesting because if they do exceed expectations, old white guy Twitter is going to have a field oh day, um, especially if the Browns disappoint. Old that, white guy Twitter cool. is going to be waving that victory flag so highly and proudly. Um and it stinks because, like, that doesn't mean that it was a good move for the Giants to trade Odell, obviously. Right. Uh, but they're going to take it that way. And literally the only thing that can change their mind is Odell winning a title, which, like, even though he's a elite receiver, he's still a receiver. It's very right. hard for an elite receiver to win games single-handedly. So uh, I'm rooting for Cleveland just so that doesn't happen. But again, as I cautioned at the beginning of the show, like I think expectations for them might just be a touch high right now. And we're making it a giant show. I'm, I'm talking about this. Like I just—I mean, it was the biggest news of the NFL offseason. I think that's fair to do. 
it's annoying. It's so frustrating to me that it's like, oh, quarterback is the most important position in football. Nothing else matters as much as quarterback. The Giants can get rid of Odell because all that matters is how well Eli plays or if they draft the court, you know. And then it's like, oh, well, Odell Beckham wasn't a leader. Mm. Find me the receiver in the NFL that's a leader outside of maybe yeah. Larry Fitzgerald. I hate all that crap. Like, in order to be – like, basically, you have to be Jerry Rice in order to be, like, un, like respected as a receiver by certain people. You know what I'm saying? 100%. And, like, it's just a position where I honestly think you need some of that dog in you. Like, if you don't have it, you can't be as good as these guys are. Totally agree. It's island football. Like, you're by yourself. It's all you. And, like, and then it's always, oh, well, the Patriots have established a great culture. and they've Yeah, that's, that's crap. It's like, oh, you know what they've established? They have the right. best quarterback and coach combination in league history, and the quarterback gets paid half of what he's worth. That's why they're <laughs> right. winning. It has nothing to do with the freaking culture. Right. Also, did you ever think that maybe Jerry Rice was so happy because – he got like 200 targets a year and played for <laughs> and played for like a great team all the time. Right. You know, like he played with two of the best quarterbacks in the history of the league, had literally nobody else on the offense that was drawing targets and was elite. Like flip him to, you know, playing for the Jets in the mid 80s. And uh, maybe he's a complainer, too. You never know. Like, yeah. it's just one of those things. And I hate the argument that. You know, receivers don't win football games. Like, yeah, maybe if you look at the top receivers in league history, they don't have a ton of Super Bowl rings outside of Jerry Rice. But that doesn't mean that they don't win you games. Like, Terrell Owens made every team he played for better, despite the fact that he was a headache. Randy Moss, outside of when he took a vacation in Oakland, you know, he, he transformed the Patriots from good to historically great. You know, he carried... Uh, the Vikings when he was younger. So, like, I, I hate that argument, too. I'm glad you're on board. I mean, for me, it's the third most valuable position in the sport. Like, I'm I'm team receiver. So. I don't know if I would go that high. Uh, obviously, quarterback is one. And then I might go some combination of offensive line, pass rusher, uh, something like that, two, three. But, yes, it's obviously the more that passing – becomes as it becomes more and more prevalent which doesn't seem like we're going to revert to run run football anytime soon I hope not. the guys who catch passes are only going to become more and more valuable all right matt is there a bet in the nfc that you like um not really we don't have a ton right now i'm really just looking at you know conference to win bets and i feel like everybody is priced pretty fairly if you're looking for a longest shot i mean San Francisco, I think, is going to be an appealing team. They're 16 to 1. Uh, I kind of like Atlanta at the same price tag, 16 to 1. You know, like they're there, we know what they're going to do. They're going to play offense really well. It's just a matter of can they get any stops defensively? And they did play most of last year without their best defensive player in Deion Jones. So adding him back in, maybe you can make a case that Atlanta should be priced, you know, in the same range as teams like Dallas and Seattle. So you're getting a little bit of value there, but uh, nothing really jumps off the page to me as being like egregiously wrong. I really like the Niners price. I mean, I, I clearly I'm higher on them than, than you are just overall, but mm-hmm. I mean, they're priced outside the playoffs and they're like the ninth highest team in NFC odds. Uh, and I, I will happily take that. I mean, you're basically fading 
the NFC North teams, like that the North has three teams plus a thousand or better. Uh Bears, Packers, Vikings. Yep. Um and then obviously and they're the Vikings they're, to me are a clear scratch off. Right. And then they, they fit the exact opposite mold of what I'm trying to do with my team, which is they're paying uh, an average quarterback $30 million. Right. And then they're third in the West behind Seattle as well, as well as yeah. the Rams, which I still think that Seattle is bound to turn into a pumpkin unless they start letting Russell Wilson do things. Uh, never bet against a rusty man. No, I'm, Haven't I'm, you learned no, anything? I'm betting, I'm betting against not using Ryan Schottenheimer. Yeah. Like I, like, <laughs> Throw the ball more than 500 times, dude. Like, what are you doing? Like, uh, so anyway. Russell can take 500. He sprinkles a little fairy dust on it, and he gives you what other quarterbacks need 600 for. I mean, that was true last year, at least in terms of touchdowns. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I, I totally agree. Seattle's one of those teams where it's like, if you ran that team efficiently, they should be up there, you know, at like plus 800 maybe. And if you knew that they were going to, play the same way they did last year, they should probably be, you know, 1,600 or lower. So I, I agree with that 100%. All right. Anything else you want to touch on before we get out of here? Um, no, that's it, man. Let's uh, – oh, you know what? I will say, if, you, uh, if you've got a big bankroll, there is a prop on my bookie where you can bet against Odell winning the MVP next year. Um, I think that's a tremendously sharp bet. It's minus 5,000 on the no. So you're literally laying 50 to one, but that has an implied probability of like 98% that he won't win. And we were talking off air. I think that that's closer to like 99 and a half percent that he won't win. And even that might be generous, you know, like, cause if he has a great year, Baker's going to win the MVP. Yep. Unless the only real situation is where this could happen is Odell has a fantastic year and Baker misses some time due to injury. And uh, I just, don't see that happening. So uh, we talk all the time about how just because a, a prop has big negative odds like that, that doesn't stop it from being a value. You know, Matt Friedman has been doing a lot of prop work over at Action Network, and he's been writing up a lot of these like big money odds. And I think it's one of the biggest leaks in amateur betters games is that they don't they don't look at it. They only look at the odds with the big payouts. You know, they don't look at it the other way. And I think that this is a classic example of, you know, the odds just not being properly priced on the no side of this MVP bet. So, um, again, you're going to have to lay a lot of money to win a little. It's not an exciting bet, but it's just not being priced properly. And I think that uh, you should take advantage of it if you have the means. I like it, Matt. I think that's a good call. All right. That's going to do it for this edition of laying the points as always be sure to rate and review the show on itunes or your favorite podcast app for matt lamarca i'm anthony miko may the odds be ever in your favor
Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. They call you the Grill Master. You've seared the thickest porterhouse in the butcher shop. And as you lift that first forkful to your mouth, you savor the moment. To get amazing offers during the Mercedes-Benz Summer Event, like the 2019 C-Class Sedan and GLC SUV, the perfect recipes of driving performance. Plus, you can enjoy six months of Sirius XM All Access included. The Mercedes-Benz Summer Event, now serving limited-time offers on a select lineup of vehicles. Offers end September 3rd. Mercedes-Benz, the best or nothing.